from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, coming up on this Tuesday edition. Even now, House and Senate Democrats are still obstructing efforts to close out the NDAA by trying to jam in unrelated items with no relationship whatsoever to defense. We're talking about a grab bag of miscellaneous pet priorities. And with Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell on the Senate floor earlier today, it appears that some members of the Democratic Party are hoping to turn the annual funding bill for the military into a Christmas tree, which they can then hang their liberal projects on. Well, one item that the White House is objecting to, is coming from Republicans, is the repeal of the COVID mandate for military members. The president told him that he would consider it, uh, but also made clear that he wanted to consult with the Pentagon. And uh, since then, as we've all heard, the Secretary of Defense has recommended retaining uh, the mandate. That's because the COVID vaccination requirement was put in place uh, to keep our service members safe and healthy and prepared for service. That was White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre yesterday. We'll get the latest on the negotiations between the parties little bit later. And while congressional leadership has been spending time pursuing the redefinition of marriage and other objectives of the left, the essential matters of government have gone undone. And guess what? Time is running out. Will Congress work out funding for the military and for the rest of the federal government? If so, when? We're going to talk with Florida Senator Rick Scott in just a moment. Also, the American workforce, it's shrinking according to the latest numbers from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. What are the, where are the workers going? And what does a shrinking workforce mean for the price of goods and services? What about inflation? We're going to talk about it with the ranking member of the House Ways and Means Committee, Texas Congressman Kevin Brady, later here on Washington Watch. And finally, a report from a Virginia special grand jury was unsealed yesterday which slammed the response of the Loudoun County Public Schools to two sexual assaults last year. Now, you might recall the incident when the girl's father, Scott Smith, was dragged out of a school board meeting. Now, that incident, which uh, led the, the uh, State Depart- or the uh, Department of Justice to get involved in the school issue, was also what fueled a parent's movement across the nation. FRC's Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies, is here with the details later on Washington Watch. Let me remind you that Washington Watch is made available through Friends of FRC, folks like you all across the country who want to ensure that truth continues here in our nation's capital. Well, thanks to a special year-end challenge match by Friends of FRC, your gift will have double the impact if received before December the 31st. So to partner with us, call 800 800- 225-4008. We've got members of our team standing by to take your call. That's 800-225-4008, or you can visit TonyPerkins.com. Our word for today comes from Isaiah chapter 22. It's verses 8 and 11. He, God, removed the protection of Judah. You looked in that day to the armor of the house of the forest. You also made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool, but you did not look to its maker nor did you have respect for him who fashioned it long ago. The powerful and brutal Assyrian army was moving towards Jerusalem, and King Hezekiah took practical and wise steps to prepare. However, something was missing, the protection of God. No amount of preparation apart from God will secure our future. 
As Solomon wrote in Psalm 127, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Without question, we must act. But we must first seek, seek the Lord, for he is our protector and our defender. To find out more about joining our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org Bible. Now, reports indicate that the National Defense Authorization Act, or what's called the NDAA, will include a provision repealing the COVID shot mandate for military service members. Now, the text of the bill is expected to be released tomorrow before a House vote later this week. Now, this is a defeat for the Biden administration, which has clung to its 2021 shot mandate despite new data and the president's own insistence that the pandemic is over. Now, it's important to note that though the NDAA will remove the jab mandate for members of the military, it will reportedly, and again, we've not seen the text, but it will reportedly not reinstate service members who were discharged or had their benefits cut for refusing the shot. Well, joining me now to discuss this and other news from Capitol Hill is Florida Senator Rick Scott. He serves on several Senate committees, including the Senate Homeland Security Committee, the Senate Armed Services Committee, and the Senate Budget Committee. Senator, welcome back to the program. Oh, it's always nice to be with you. Well, you know, I, I support the National Defense Authorization Act. I think we have to have a lethal, strong military. But what the Biden administration has done to these men and women that, you know, have said, I've got a religious problem with the, with the vaccine, I've got a health problem with, you know, concern about the vaccine, is wrong. They kick people out for that. And, I mean, think about it. Our military is only tied to one thing the great men and women serving, and then the Biden administration treats them like this. So one, we need to make sure this mandate, the end of this mandate's in the NDAA, that's number one. Number two is everybody that's been kicked out, uh, they need to be reinstated with back pay, and we need to do an investigation of why the, how the Biden administration treated our military men and women with regard to their religious and health uh, concerns. I've seen your comments on that. I agree 100 percent that that needs to be uh, explored. I, I want to ask you a couple of questions about this because I, I cannot find the number because, yes, we saw earlier in the week, we saw, I guess it was yesterday, the secretary of defense saying that he, he, he needs this because we've lost hundreds of DOD personnel. Well, the only number I can, I, I've seen a, f- a few dozen active duty members of the military died from COVID. They throw in. Uh, contractors, they throw in uh, family members, but I've actually not been able to see a number to see how much of a a problem this is for the military. I've not seen the number either. Um, I mean, they, you know, they, they do, they, they create this, they scare you with, you know, all this information that, but they have no basis. They don't tell us why. They just say that, you know, because they believe in it. Uh, no. I mean, we've got we've got to do everything we can to respect the men and women that put on the uniform and defend our freedom every day. I mean, they're out there putting their lives on the line every day. Uh, so and if they have a religious concern, if they have a health concern, they've got to be listened to. So I, I'm I'm um, optimistic that this will be in the National Defense Authorization Act. But on top of that, if you've been kicked out, you need to be reinstated with back pay. Do you think that provision will be in? Because what we've seen, what we've heard out of the House is that it will only deal with the mandate and not deal with those who have been, it won't be retroactive to those who have been kicked out. It's up to us. It takes, it takes 
um, at least 10 Republicans uh, in the Senate uh, to, you know, agree on cloture. So it's up to us. If we mandate it, it's in there, then it'll either be in there or, or the, you know, the Biden administration will do for the first time ever um, uh, not pass the National Defense Authorization Act. I mean, this is this is actually about national defense. Right. This well, is well, not Sen- taking care of the people who actually do the job. Uh, Senator, I have confidence in you. Uh, I've, I've watched uh, how you operate, but I will tell you, I'm a little disappointed in some of your Republican colleagues. Uh, I've noticed that it doesn't take a whole lot for them to the Democrats to peel some of them off, as we saw last week with 12 of them voting uh, to launch a major attack on religious freedom in this country by voting for this uh, so-called Respect for Marriage Act. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, what is more important than our First Amendment rights, right? So you, I mean, we should we should not be attacking uh, religious freedom, and that's exactly what that bill did. We've got to. And by the way, if the people that won the bill said, "Oh, it didn't do that," then why wouldn't they have allowed Mike Lee's amendment to pass? Because Mike Lee's amendment was clear. You know, if you're if you're if you believe in something, you you should be fine with making it clear. Right? You should be fine with clarification. You shouldn't be fighting any clarification to make sure uh, that we don't not creating a federal right of action to go against um, people that have have religious. Whether we agree with their religious beliefs or not, they have religious beliefs. You should be able to to fight and and lead your life based on your religious beliefs, whether somebody else agrees with you or not. And the federal government should not be dictating our religious beliefs. I mean, we we see how that plays out just this week at the the Supreme Court, where we have Lori Smith, who is a web designer, who simply wants to to do work. But the state of Colorado wants to force her to engage in speech that runs counter to her religious beliefs. And I think this is where that law is uh, is going to uh, to lead, unfortunately. Uh, But I want to go back to this issue of uh, the, the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, the military obviously hemorrhaging. They're having difficulty meeting their recruiting uh, standards. That you're a veteran of the Navy. The Navy actually dropping uh, its uh, uh, entrance exam levels in order to get more recruits. Also extending the age to 41 for those to join. Can they not connect the dots that you know th- they have this? unnecessary vaccine mandate that's keeping people from either joining or forcing them out, and yet they're not able to, and they're still not able to make their recruitment goals. Can't they connect the two? It's hard to believe, Tony. I mean, the Democrats, first off, when I've been up here four years, it does not appear that many of the Democrats care about our military. Clearly, when you don't want to defend uh, our military members have been kicked out based on their religious or health concerns over a vaccine that was rushed, then what that, tell, that what that tells you is they don't care about these individuals. So, but yeah, right. I mean, does it make any sense? They can't get enough people, but they're kicking people out for something that doesn't make much sense. And by the way, Biden's so inconsistent. The COVID vaccine's over, uh, well, not when I need it. So it doesn't make any sense what they're doing up here. All right, let's talk bigger spending items. Of course, the military is big spending, but we also have this funding for the federal government that is... Uh, at stake here. We've got to deal with that. Where are the negotiations going with that? Well, as you know, I ran for Republican leader because I think we've got to finally become a brick wall to this excess spending. So this next um, next spending bill, we should call it the Pelosi-Schumer end-of-year spending bill. Uh, what they're going to try to do is throw everything they can in there because they know they've lost 
uh, the House. And by the way, I hope Herschel uh, Walker wins, so we'll at least have a 50-50 Senate. Uh, but but you know we've got to we got to fight this stuff. We got to say 31 trillion dollars is that's too much. Is when are we going to be a brick wall? 35, 40 trillion. And so in these bad policies that are hurting our families, when are we going to be the brick wall? And so I think we've got to we've got to say we're not going to do this. What we ought to do right now, the Democrats control the House and House and the Senate. They made the decision not to pass a budget. Right. What we ought to do now is give the new Congress the opportunity to pass a budget by doing a short-term CR. Right. Um, we're almost up against a break, Senator. We're going to come back on the other side of this break. Um, I, I want to want you to share with our viewers and listeners how they can be helpful in this lame duck session. As you pointed out, they're, they're negotiating some things that are going to tie the hands of the next Congress. They're pushing to have this uh, continuing resolution go all the way through the next fiscal year, through this fiscal year. Um, these people are, are not going to be accountable. Many of them are not going to stand before voters again. So when we come back from the break, we want to talk about that. Uh, so thank you for uh, for joining us. Folks, uh, Senator Rick Scott's going to stick around with us. I hope you will as well. On the other side of the break, we're going to continue our conversation about what might be the, um, the, the stumbling blocks here and the negotiations on the funding for the federal government and how you can weigh in. Because they're just spending money left and right. And as he said, it's the Schumer-Pelosi spending bill. They want to add all this stuff on their way out. This is one of those times you got to lean in. you got to help us. All right, folks, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. You can also share it with friends. Don't go away. On the other side of the break, we continue our conversation with Florida Senator Rick Scott. Straight ahead. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Florida Senator Rick Scott, my guest, uh, continuing our conversation about the funding for the federal government. So, Senator, uh, what do you think are the stumbling blocks that stand in the way of an agreement between the Republicans and Democrats to continue to funding government? I think up here, it's, you know, the way you compromise is, is everybody gets everything. That means you, the you, you, the consumer, you, the taxpayer, you, the American citizen, just pay more. You pay more for government because everybody gets everything they want. That's why we think about how much debt has been been increased in this country since Ronald Reagan left office. Right. It's staggering because everybody just compromises and spends more money. So at some point, we got to say to ourselves, you know, inflation is caused by government spending. It's not fair when gasoline prices and food prices go up because government has caused massive inflation. It's not fair that the poor have less opportunity than other people because of massive government um, spending you, and, and you know, allocating dollars. You know, um, so we, I believe in individual freedom and individual rights and individual responsibility, not big government. You know, that's the irony of this, that this government uh, debt spending actually hurts the poor. The very ones that they say they're trying to help, they're the ones that are robbed of future prospect of, uh, of advancing because of this debt. And speaking of the debt, what's the status on the debt ceiling, which allows the government to borrow more money? Aren't we bumping up next to that? Yeah, we're so here's the, here's the things that are going to happen. And you need to be everybody needs to be active with their representatives, their senators, their House members. Call them and tell them what you think. When do you? When should we be a brick wall, right? I believe we ought to be a brick wall right now. And how much federal debt should we allow? The debt ceiling just basically says how much federal debt can we assume? Can we, uh, you know, assume? I mean, pay for? It. I mean, we have to pay for that. We have to pay for it through borrowing, through taxes. And if we and if we borrow the money, then maybe you don't pay it today, but you either pay it tomorrow, or your kids or your grandkids pay it. Think about this, Tony. Would you raise your child to be dependent on government? You would not. We don't do that. We raise our children to be independent, to have a faith in God, but to be independent and say, I can do this with my faith in God on my own. That's not what the Democrats are pushing. They're pushing that you should be dependent on government. I don't believe in that. That's not good for anybody in our in this country. It's not good for my kids, your kids, or grandkids, anybody. 
And the more debt we have, especially right now, when you look at the interest rates, we're having to pay more to service that debt, which leaves more or less money uh, for the government to operate under. So um, we need to contact our members of of Congress. We need to talk talk to our congressmen and our two senators. What's the timing that you think this is going to be worked out? Are they going to reach an agreement before the uh, the deadline? They always do. I mean, it's talked down ways. They, they, you know, they don't think they can get there, but they always do. Um, so we're, uh, I think it's next Friday we have to either government gets shut down or we either do a big spending bill that Democrats want to do or we just continue to, you know, decide when we're going to do it. I think what we ought to do, the Democrats, they had, they had the opportunity to do these budgets. They didn't do it. Let's give the next Congress the opportunity to do the budget. So let's do a continued resolution through maybe February 15th and give the new, you know, the new leadership in the House right. and Democrats in the Senate, which they'll control um, uh, going forward. Let's give them the opportunity to say, are you going to do a budget this time? If not, we've got to stop this. We've got to become the brick wall. I mean, that makes perfect sense. I would think that the Republicans would all be in favor of that since they would then be the drivers in the House. Can you not keep... 10 Republicans from joining with the uh, Democrats to pass a, a full year funding? I'm going to do everything I can, but the key is going to be how many of your listeners call and say, you've got to become a brick wall. I say my family can't afford more taxes. My family can't afford more inflation. My family can't afford uh, more more debt, which causes more inflation. So you've got to, you know, as hard as it is, you've got to do your job to balance the budget and stop allowing this happen to happen. Uh, well, folks, I, the, the, you, there you have your marching orders. Be a brick wall. Here's the capital switchboard number. It's 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. All, all you need to do, you tell them what state you're from. You want to talk to your senators. They'll connect you with their office. Um, if you don't know who your House member is, I know the vast majority of our viewers and listeners do. But if you don't, just call, give them your zip code, and they will connect you with your member of Congress. You'll talk to someone in their office and just tell them, hey, be a brick wall. Stand against this spending. Stop the spending. We cannot afford it. So, Senator, do you think uh, Congress is going to be here up until Christmas? Absolutely. I mean, what they try to do up here is they try to – you know, the Democrats try to push everything to the last minute and say, oh, if you don't do this, government's going to shut down. If you don't do this, you won't get to go on vacation. Right. You know, and guess what? Our job is to represent you and do what we told you we would do. We told you we'd be fiscally responsible. It's our job, whether that happens on on December 24th or 25th or 26th. Look, I would I like to go home and spend time with my family. Absolutely. But I who's doing this? The Democrats. This is wasteful Democrat spending and we cannot allow it we got to be a brick wall. Senator Rick Scott, uh, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us, and, and thanks again for your leadership on Capitol Hill. And, and we're going to back you up in pushing these Republicans to hold the line. Thanks, Tony. Have a great day. All right, you too. Senator Rick Scott of uh, Florida, you know, it, it it is just unimaginable to me when you believe in something that you will that, – that's so – foundational, like marriage, for instance, that you would have 12 Republicans who would join with Democrats to redefine the institution of marriage. And this, by the way, is is something that's in the party platform. Um, It's foundational to the family and to society. Now we're talking about spending. I mean, we're 
$30 trillion in debt, and they're just going to add more money so they can get to some type of agreement. As uh, Senator Scott said, conservatives in Congress who hold themselves out to be conservative need to hold the line. They need to be a brick wall. So contact your members of Congress, 202-224-3121, or another way is just text the word DUCK to 67742. That's the word DUCK for the lame duck session to 67742, and we'll keep you up to date as these events unfold. All right, the American workforce, it's shrinking. Why? What's going on? How's that going to affect prices? And how's it going to affect services? We're going to talk with Texas Congressman Kevin Brady next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. To Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. Again, if you'd like to partner with us to make sure Washington Watch continues, we've got some friends of FRC that have put forward a generous match. Everything you give could be doubled if you'll just give us a call today and partner with us. 800 225 4008. That's 800 225 4008. Or you can go to tonyperkins.com. Okay, last week, the U.S. Supreme Court announced that it will hear oral arguments this February in the legal challenge blocking President Biden's student loan bailout. The president has said he's confident his order to bail out federal student debt will be upheld. Now, this despite previous comments from the outgoing Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, confirming what we already know. 
The president has no authority to do that. This is yet another example of the Biden administration's mismanagement of the economy. We've seen this with skyrocketing inflation, soaring energy costs. Now we have a shrinking workforce. What's going on? Joining me now to talk about this is Congressman Kevin Brady. He's the ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. He represents the 8th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Brady, welcome back to the program. Good to see you, Tony. Thank you for having me. Well, the legal challenges uh, to the Biden administration's attempt to buy votes through the student loan bailout will now go to the Supreme Court. Do you think the administration will succeed in defending this bailout? No, I don't think they have a chance. And I think President Biden knows they don't have a chance on this. Certainly, past administrations like President Obama was very clear they didn't have the authority. Speaker Pelosi told the truth when she said the same thing. I I know the Biden White House believes it. I think this was a very cynical political ploy ahead of the uh, campaign, the election, excuse me, to try to buy votes, uh, try to cast Republicans as being unfair. But the truth of the matter is, I think this whole effort is so unfair to working families, those who don't have loans, those who paid off their loans. Uh, And I think at the end of the day, it backfires on this president. Well, let's move on to another topic. I think you're right. Um, you have looked at the numbers that came out from the jobs, the jobs numbers in November from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. What's happening with the workforce? It appears that it's shrinking. People are going away. The disappearing workers, where are they? Yeah, so this is a big driver of inflation, something we've, Tony, we've been shouting from the rooftops here for more than a year about how the workforce is shrinking, how the government is really incentivizing people to stay home and not reconnect to work, and how this is driving uh, prices higher and longer. We're seeing this in these monthly reports where the workforce has shrunk, I think, two or three of the last three months. It's why inflation has increased two of the last three months and why it's going to last. It's going to be very high and last a very long time because this administration doesn't seem to care about reconnecting workers to their jobs. And so there are still incentives, such as the lavish Obamacare subsidies that actually drive about or give at least half a million Americans better health care at home than reconnecting to their jobs. And as long as I think as the White House is in denial about the workforce crisis we're in, our economy is going to struggle. I mean, that's almost creating this perfect storm for the economy with all these factors that are self-inflicted. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, oh, this morning we woke up in Texas and we're short a million workers in our state alone. And it's small businesses, it's midsize, it's large business, it's uh, consumers, it's manufacturers, it's people who service the equipment uh, as well as sell it. So this is a worker crisis really of the president's own making. Uh, We had a strong economy, paychecks growing twice as fast as prices under President Trump in a good, strong workforce, but they were reconnected because it paid to work. None of that's occurring today. Uh, Let me uh, switch gears before we run out of time here. You've been at the center of the budget negotiations as the year-end approaches. We were just talking with uh, Senator Rick Scott, kind of getting the Senate perspective. What's the latest in the House? Yeah, so for among House Republicans, I can just say this is no time for another spending spree, certainly no time for the status quo. And rather than, I think, accept a a year-long omnibus just stuffed, you know, with spending that the country, frankly, doesn't need and can't afford in supporting terrible policies like open borders, certainly along Texas, I think uh, House Republicans, while we don't always favor, you know, a short-term funding bill, I think in this case – 
uh, it would balance out the power in Washington to kick this into next year and really give Republicans and Democrats a share of the power in the purse. I think that can help t- turn things around. Uh, to me, uh, Kevin, that's a no brainer. That's what the Republicans should be doing. Do you have a consensus there among Republicans to do that? You know, I think we do. And, and uh, Leader McCarthy, Speaker like McCarthy, made that same case here yesterday afternoon as well. I think, you know, there are some that want this long term, big year long budget stuffed with all sorts of things. But House Republicans are, I think, the outliers here in the sense that we're standing firm. Good. Uh, that's so good to hear. Hey, I know this this may be the last time we have you on the program because you are retiring. This is your last term in Congress. And I, I know we're getting into the holidays. And and I just want to thank you for your leadership throughout your time in office. And thank you for being a frequent guest here. I always look to you for uh, helping us walk through kind of the economic numbers. But you've been strong on the life issue, the family issues. You've been You've been a real uh, warrior for the average working families uh, your entire time in office, and I just want to thank you for that. Well, Tony, thank you. It's been a joy being on the show, but I I get right back at you. Thank you for your leadership and voice on so many key issues. I see you're on the committee to review the last election and results. And uh, look, we, we, we turn to you for so many values issues and family issues, so thank you. Well, thank you, Kevin. Merry Christmas, and I look forward to see you in Houston. Good to see you, sir. All right. Take care. Congressman Kevin Brady, he represents uh, areas right around uh, Houston, Texas. Great guy. Going to miss him. Going to miss him. We're losing some of our good friends that are retiring. All right. Coming up next, a special grand jury. Their report was unsealed yesterday in Virginia regarding Loudoun County schools. It's explosive. We're going to talk about it with Meg Kilgannon here next on Washington Watch. Don't go away. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742.
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. And welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. Merry Christmas. It's, uh, it's always it's my, one of my favorite times of year. You know, usually, once you get outside this city, people seem to be nicer. Uh, so I always look forward to getting back home. All right, this is also the time of year in which you can partner with us to make sure that Washington Watch continues all during the, all during the year. We have some uh, friends of FRC that have put forth a uh, generous match, and if you would like to partner with us, your contribution will be doubled. It will be doubled in its effect. Simply give us a call. We've got folks standing by to take your call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or you can go to TonyPerkins.com. We we receive no federal money. Uh, We have no advertisers. We're here because of folks like you who stand with us, support us, and are service to you of trying to keep you informed with the newsmakers you'll notice every program we have the newsmakers on giving you direct information as to what's happening here in our nation's capital well speaking of news uh, many of you might remember that virginia governor glenn youngkin was elected in 2021 largely due to his campaigning on schools and education we were in virginia we actually we were in loudon county right at the epicenter of all of this, back right before the election. You know, a major story throughout his campaign involved just what was going on in the school district of Loudoun County, one of the wealthiest counties in the nation. Well, yesterday, a Virginia grand jury released a report. Actually, it was unsealed by a judge detailing their investigation. It was 92 pages long. Their investigation into the Loudoun County Public School District's apparent cover-up, of the rape of a student by another student in a school bathroom. Now, this was not just any student. It was a student who said he was trans, whatever. He was wearing a dress, a skirt, and uh, he sexually assaulted a female student. Now, that wasn't the end of it. He did it a second time. This was then kind of swept under the rug by administrators. Parents were outraged. This is what led to the term parents being domestic terrorist as the father of this girl was drug out of a school board meeting. Well, now we're getting more of the facts through this 92-page special grand jury report. Here to tell us about it, Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies at the Family Research Council. Meg, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Tony. All right, so we now have more 
on the story. We now have more on the story, and it is a 92-page document, but the report itself is about 25 pages, and then the remainder is supporting documents, copies of emails and handwritten notes and things like that. So if people are interested in reading it, um, it's it's not that long to read, but it is a tough read because at every turn you're thinking, wow, they could have done so many other things in this situation that would have resulted in a better outcome. Now, this uh, special grand jury, this, by the way, I think is the result of elections because yes. you had the attorney general, Jason Mayores, uh, who impaneled this special right. grand jury to right. do this investigation because right. this was an issue in the election. Yes, and because also the the school board investigated itself, the school system investigated itself, um, would not make the results of that investigation public, and they didn't even allow school board members to take copies of the report out of the room that they were, it was distributed in. They numbered the report and gave it to the school board members who are elected by the people of Loudoun County. And then they were collected after they were allowed, you know, a certain period of time to read the report. So, so this, um, this report by the special grand jury concluded that the second attack by this predator, the, same, the second attack was preventable and that administrators failed at every juncture. I, I think that's that's a fair statement. Um, they they knew that this that this young man had uh, problems. It wasn't just starting with the rape. He had other behavioral issues. Um, one of the really sad and poignant parts of the report for me um, is there's this quote in there from this young man's mother, who, and she says, "I begged them for help for my son, and they wouldn't listen." And I remember um, after the Virginia Tech wow. shooting, um, that that young man lived, his house is in view of my house where I live in, in Centerville, Virginia. And um, uh, his, we had a huge investigation after that shooting uh, because he was the product of the school system where my family lives. And um, his mother said the same thing, uh, that she had tried to get help for her son and that she just couldn't get help for him. So, so is this, you know, part of this where, we, we, according to this report, there were junctures at which this student could have been stopped or could have been uh, actions taken by the school authorities, but apparently there appears to be a either a hands-off of fear or a willful desire not to do something because of the particular class of this student when it comes to their sexual right. orientation? Right. Well, you see the bias of the school system for um, keeping children in school regardless of what they do because school is the safest and the best place for them, and they are the ultimate experts on children well, it certainly wasn't of for all this kinds, young girl. right? Right. No, it certainly was not. Um, they are very reluctant to um, this, the Loudoun County in general has a... a reluctance to suspend students. They feel like if they suspend a student, then they don't have the opportunity to correct the behavior of the student or to educate them. How are they correcting the behavior? I, this is this is this has absolutely no regard for the children who are at school who are not who are not committing offenses. Maybe, who maybe are they're wanting afraid they learn. will not be able to indoctrinate children. <laughs> That's why they don't want them to. to I, I would think that the disruptive students would prohibit indoctrinating the willing students. <laughs> 
So what, what, what were the most poignant aspects of this report as you read through it? Um, the, the accounts from the offending student's parents and grandparents that he was a danger, their attempts to contact school officials to report that to them, um, and the, that, that, that information wasn't acted on. And, and the, what, it, was there a reason given? in this report as to why school officials did not respond or act on that? It it just goes down the list of of this happened on this day and then this happened on this day. Um, The school officials don't want to say why they did anything. They they um, they have not been forthcoming with the with the special grand jury. They they used every uh, tactic they could to they tried to squash all the subpoenas they tried to hide behind attorney-client privilege, implying that a conversation that a school board has in the presence of the attorney is covered under attorney-client privilege and can't be revealed. I mean, th- just ridiculous claims were made for them to try to hide from all of this. At a minimum, this would suggest there was negligence on behalf of Loudoun County. Right. And the the school board... Um, didn't have all the information they needed to make make decisions about this. It really is an administrative problem where you have principals and administrators. No one wants to be responsible. No one wants to say the wrong thing. No one wants to be on the wrong side of this particular interest group at this particular moment in time. So, so they do nothing. According to the report... And, and we talked about this in the program back when it happened. The superintendent, Scott uh, is it Ziegler, Ziegler. Uh, lied, actually, when was he was asked uh, about whether or not there was any record of sexual assaults. This was after the first assault, and he said, to my knowledge, we don't have any records of assaults occurring in our restrooms. Right. Again, at a minimum, there's negligence here. I think there could be criminal culpability. Given the way the school um, the school system didn't cooperate with the grand jury uh, uh, with the subpoena requests, given the fact that they continue to hide and obfuscate and really not consider the safety of of students in the system, I think it may take some sort of criminal indictment. This special grand jury has not been released. Correct. Could we see uh, indictments coming from this Bressel grand jury? I suppose that that's possible. Could we see parents, now that this information, this was unsealed by, if I'm not mistaken, it was un, uh, unsealed by a judge, um, could we not see parents taking this information and taking uh, private legal action, civil, civil action? Certainly the parents of the children who were assaulted, I wouldn't be surprised to see them taking legal action. But in point of fact, uh, every student in that school system suffered as a result of this. Um, they <laughs> they offered trauma counseling at uh, at the school um, when when the the father of the girl who was assaulted showed up at the school that first assault, uh, and he found out that the assault wasn't just a physical attack but a sexual assault. He had just gone straight to the school, and he didn't take his wallet with him, so he had no ID, and they wouldn't allow him into the school. And so he made a scene trying to get inside because right. he wanted to get to his family. Um, the email that the, the school system sent out after that evening said that, that someone at the school had made a scene, 
And um, there would be, you know, trauma counselors available to the students if the, the profanity and the obscenity that they had heard as a result of that, you know. Meanwhile, inside the school, they didn't know where the man, where the, where the boy who had made the assault was in the building. They couldn't locate him. So this this is really beyond it's upside, outrageous it's upside down. and dangerous. And it, and it really makes me very grateful that Family Research Council, other FRC Action, other groups are encouraging people to run for school boards yeah. because clearly the experts who are in charge of our kids are not doing a very good job and some inexpert people would probably do a much better job. Without question, and actually that's a great segue to um, this really was a trigger and I say that in a good way, yeah. it was something that alerted parents to, hey, wait a minute, what's happening here? We had the National School Boards Association, you know, after this, at the prompting of the Biden administration, writing the letter uh, suggesting that there could be violations of the Patriot Act, that these parents were domestic terrorists. Right. And, I mean, that was... Citing the arrest of this father right. as evidence that we are all dangerous. Right. When it was the negligence of the school board following the pol policies put forth by the Biden administration. Right. And, and so it's like they create the problem and then people try to, you know, step in and protect their children. Then they come after them as well. We've seen this pattern we, from this administration. We sure have. But... This was one of the good news stories from the midterm election is that parents across the country got engaged. You know, FRC Action had a number of school board boot camp right. uh, training sessions. But we've seen parents taking back school boards. We're already seeing policy changes. Absolutely. And um, the, as as we have school board members being seated, some of them have already taken their oath of office. Some of the newly elected ones will take their oath of office in January. But as we see these school board officials taking their oaths, we're going to see some changes happening. Um, there's a really great example in Charleston, South Carolina, of a school board that has now a controlling majority on the school board, and they are going right to work. Um, they have removed their superintendent. They have hired a new general counsel. And, and not every school board is going to need to take that drastic of action. Mm -hmm. But the fact that now we have people who are engaged, who are willing to do those sorts of things, we're going to see a lot better behavior of the ones who are left behind. Yeah, we've got a, a piece, uh, Marjorie Jackson with The Stand has actually written a piece kind of giving an overview of a number of uh, outcomes from the school board elections across the country. It's at the Washington Stand. I think we've got a link at TonyPerkins.com, but that comes from the Washington Stand. By the way, if you're not already getting information from the Washington Stand, it is news and commentary from a biblical perspective, WashingtonStand.com or .org. And, uh, but just go to TonyPerkins.com and you can follow the links over. So um, before we run out of time, Meg Kilgannon, what do you think is going to be the outcome here in Loudoun County with, I mean, this continues to be a problem. They've been recalcitrant. They, they're not changing the school system there. Um, this has got to create more pressure and more ammunition for parents to demand change. Right. We have school board elections in Loudoun County in 2023. So... Um, I expect to see uh, announcements for candidates filing for those for those seats, and we, we'll see what happens. All right. Meg Kilgannon, always great to talk with you.
you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Well, folks, we all have a responsibility to make a difference. And, you know, this is just the beginning. It's not like this election cycle we wanted to focus on school boards and it was a problem this year, but it won't be a problem next year. I was just having a conversation with a, a statewide elected official from another state earlier today. All of the stuff we're doing is important, but we've got to go to the source. And what we're finding increasingly, we've known this, it's education. Our children being indoctrinated with this leftist ideology, this confusion of this, uh, of their whole sexual agenda, turning them against their parents, turning them against values that they grew up with. We've got to go to the source. Uh, first off, I think our kids ought to be out of schools. We ought to have them in our private schools. We ought to have them in home schools. But we can't leave the rest of them there to be victims like Loudoun County. So make a difference. Also, join us here at the Family Research Council. Partner with us. Go to TonyPerkins.com to find out more. Until next time, I leave you once again with the promise from the encouraging words, rather, I should say, from the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.